Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Talking Chop Podcast. This is episode 329, and I am your host, Brad Roland. I am joined for kind of a special edition, a standalone, no news on the podcast today. We're going to go all vibes all the time, and we're going to talk about the World Series run. Uh, We, of course, celebrated it in the moment, talked about the parade after the fact, but uh, by popular demand, I would say, I am joined by both Scott Coleman and Eric Cole to discuss and relive the playoff run gentlemen we're back to uh go through the vibes i'm really excited for this podcast and i know we've talked about how us and and just fans in general the day-to-day of watching a a playoff run it's stressful you're very in the moment but of course once you get to the end of it and hey the braves just won a world series about eight days ago which still doesn't feel real but to be able to go back and relive so many of those great moments, both from the World Series and, and before the NLDS and the NLCS feel like lifetimes ago, but uh, just so many fun and crazy moments along the way. And, and this should be a really, really fun podcast. Yeah, and I'm really happy that we kind of had some time to marinate on it because I mean, Scott's right. Like in the moment, it just felt like like whatever happened last night was the biggest thing that happened, right? So it, it's like, you know, you have some time to think about, okay, what happened in the NLDS? And, you know, like how close were those games? How, how did those games feel and what ended up mattering? Same thing with the NLCS and then same thing with the World Series and kind of recognizing all those, like all these moments that we're going to talk about in this show kind of in context with one another. One, as we discovered, is incredibly difficult. <laughs> um, uh, we, we had to make our own, uh, our own lists just to kind of make this work. And... I think we got really close to all, like we all just basically made top tens and we all had kind of the same 10, but it was really, really hard to kind of figure out what goes where. Cause there's a lot of really big moments in this playoff run. Yeah. And you know, instead of going down all three of our lists separately or like trying try to make a combined, you know, <laughs> list of, so, of sorts, we're going to basically go through some of the, I don't know if they're honorable mentions or what, but some of the stuff that did not quite make the combined top five and we'll kind of go through, all of what transpired. Um, but, you know, like you said, we all made our lists and they were similar. There is stuff that we probably won't mention that I, we've just forgotten or that it didn't quite make the cut. But there's, I feel like there's probably 30 things we could talk about. Um, and we did make sure to mention them all, I think, along the way on the podcast. But uh, today, I guess, rather than go three and a half hours on the show, we'll try to keep it to some sort of order and not have it go that long. Uh, I will open it up by... Uh, this is not, we're not, we're not, it's not going to be chronological order, but this is one that's pretty early, and I feel like, in general, people have not forgotten the Brewer series, 
But because it was so long ago and because, you know, this team won the World Series, you don't generally talk about the NLDS a whole lot because it was kind of a breezy win overall. Um, we all included Freddie Freeman's home run off Josh Hader on our lists, and I think rightly so, just because that was a, quite a moment uh, at the moment. And even now, I mean, the Braves, I think, would have still won the series without it, but no guarantees at this point. So uh, I wanted to just like kind of put a pin in that to start with and go back all the way because, you know, Freddie had lots of moments along the way. Uh, but that one has not been forgotten, but, you know, that's a series-winning swing by your fr- by your face of the franchise against maybe the best reliever in baseball. It doesn't really get much bigger than that, I guess, unless you win the World Series. <laughs> yeah, it was in, in the moment it felt big, and looking back, uh, you know, for Freddie Freeman, the face of this franchise for however many years now, um, and, and off Josh Hader, who is probably the best reliever in the game right now, I think that's probably fair to say, um, it, is it hyperbole to say that in the moment it was the biggest swing for the Braves this century? At worst, there's probably a top three or top five where it belongs. And hey, to, to it wasn't quite a walk off, but it was effectively a walk off. And for Freddie to do it there in front of a jam packed Truist Park, it was a back and forth game the entire way. And um, obviously, it, it paved the way for bigger and better things. But that was just a huge, huge moment for Freddie, and and really for someone who. Uh, you know, it saw a lot of bad baseball and has not had a ton of postseason activity over his career. Um, for him to have that moment as his signature moment, at least up until that point, was pretty special. Yeah, and I think that the only reason that kind of ended up not being like it was kind of like a like either a fringe top five or like right on like right in the top five for all three of us. And I think the only reason that wasn't higher is again, like we just had there were so many other big swings and big moments that went into this playoff run. Like if they lose in the, the NLCS, we're talking about like that being like a, a super critical moment in Braves playoff history anyway. Um, but there's a couple, there, there's a couple ways to think about this one. Like you wonder if the Braves even advance if they, he doesn't make that swing, which makes it more important. But I also, for me, one, it, it being in the first round, I mean, that does matter a little bit. Um, and more importantly, I, I just felt really comfortable. I know it sounds strange, but I felt really comfortable in that Brewers series. Uh, and while in that game against that reliever, that's obviously a huge moment. Like for me, like that kind of kept it out of like being higher on the list for me. Uh, I can't remember where I had it. I think I had, I think I had it. I think I had it four or five, um, which again is, is a really big moment. Cause again, at the end of the day, that's a serious clinching victory to put you into the next round of the playoffs. So I don't want to like discount that necessarily, but at the same time, that was like a big, big swing. And like, again, considering all the moments that we saw along the way, particularly against like the Dodgers, like the Dodgers had a lot, series had a lot of big moments. And then obviously on the biggest stage possible in the world series, like everything's magnified. Uh, I'm glad that we, like, we all kind of like took time to go, you know what, this moment right here, like we can't forget that even though it was like that long ago and it was only in the first round, like just how kind of, especially in the moment, how special that was. Certainly, we'll keep going, but I think Scott's point about that being the biggest swing for the Braves in the century at that point, I think is true, to be honest, given that yeah. it, won, it won them that series. And, you know, famously, the Braves had only won one series in the, uh, in the you know, millennium, basically, since then. Uh, uh, at least until, at, at that point, I should say. Uh, and just because of the moment, uh, the way that it was, and it was Freddie and all that stuff. And it got upstaged, and rightly so after that, but uh, it makes the cut, I think, for sure. The only other thing that we have on the list from the Brewer series was uh, Jock Peterson. Um, 
doing Jock Peterson things. You know, he hit the three-run home run. It was the big one in game three. But in general, you know, I have said this, and I think it's true, that Jock probably wasn't as good on the field as people might have thought that he was after joining the Braves. But he had a couple of huge moments, and the Brewer series was the biggest example of that, in addition to, of course, his, uh, his pearl usage. Well, especially early on in that series. I mean, he, he was the offense. I believe in game three, the Braves won three, nothing. And his three run Homer was the difference. Um, he of course had that pinch hit home run in game one. And of course that was a game the Braves did not win, but again, he was really the only bat to show up early on. And I'm glad it, it was not the best finish to the postseason for jock. He, he struggled a little bit late. Um, but early on, man, he was, he was dialed in. I think it was game three when he finally started. Uh, he, he was of course off the bench and came up big in games one and two and, uh, Jock was just, by all accounts, if you talk to anyone around this team, his addition at the trade deadline or at the all-star break rather was, was huge for many reasons on the field and off the way he came into the clubhouse and just kind of lifted everyone's spirits. I can only imagine what it's like behind closed doors with Jock Peterson. He, he seems like he's a good time. Vibes uh, guy, Jock Peterson. Yes. The vibes. He's a bad beep. Um, but yes, I, Jock was definitely a hero early on in that series. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, it, it does, it helps that case of that particular moment is kind of like the narrative of like what the trade deadline guys did in this playoff run. Like first it was Jock in the Brewer series, who again was like the primary source of offense in that series and what was going to be always a pretty tough series for offense to come by because the Brewers couldn't hit, but they could really, really pitch. Uh, so we kind of expected a lot of like low scoring games in that particular series. Uh and, you know, it just then that narrative of like, first it was Jock, then it was Eddie Rosario turning into Babe Ruth for an entire series, and then Jorge Soler winning World Series MVP, like just kind of in context, kind of like, wow, like, look at what this trade deadline did, like the, the three guys, three of the four guys that the Braves got, and like Adams Duvall certainly had his moments too, uh, but like those three guys, like, basically won, like got them the World Series title, if you really think about it, so that kind of helps that. Yeah, and you know Freddie Freeman famously said at the parade that <laughs> it was the best trade deadline of all time, uh, and he might be right. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's definitely right, but uh, it certainly uh, has to make the list when you when you when you win the World Series based on uh, on those Fa- moves. Farewell, Bryce Ball. We miss you. Yeah, uh, you know, R.I.P. Um, <laughs> that's enough, I think, on on the on the Brewers series for now. We can come back to it if we want to, but um, the other kind of things that we have on this sort of honorable mention list are a couple things from the Dodgers series. Um, I'll just kind of lay them out here together. Um, one is the the set of walk-offs to begin the NLCS, which I think, again, maybe have gotten underplayed now that so much has happened after them. But to open that series with back-to-back walk-offs is, like, pretty groundbreaking stuff. And also combined with that, um, Eddie Rosario's three-run home run in Game 6 against the Dodgers, uh, those two moments, uh, obviously not, you know, they were days apart, um, but I can, I can speak for myself. I was with people and watching, and we talked after that game, of course, in game six. But uh, when Eddie hit that home run, might have been the, uh, the single moment of euphoria that I had, um, just because of where I actually was. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting that uh, the Dodgers series doesn't get forgotten because actually, there's actually one moment that I think we all have in our top five that we'll save for the end. But, um, you know, those two things happening – uh, Eric, did you have anything else that you want to identify from that Dodger series, or anything that st- stops you from those two from those two moments? Because uh, they were probably even more notable than they, than they seem now. Yeah, I mean, 
I remember, I'm pretty sure that you and I were doing the show after game two. And I said that that, that game was crazy. It was right. Like, like game two in particular was nuts. Uh, just back and forth. And like, you know, the Braves come roaring back. I mean, game one, like Austin Riley, basically single-handedly like, beats the Dodgers with some really key hits, but that game too, like it really stands out to me. And like, when I was making my list, like putting those back-to-back walk-offs, like putting yourself in a position to be two up against that Dodgers team with two walk-off wins in the championship series, somehow that's not in our top five tells you how kind of wild and crazy this playoff run was. And like, I could convince myself very easily to move that higher, like very, it would not take much. Right. Um, As it was like, it was just outside my top five. And like, I still think about like game two, that, that whole series, let's just be clear every single game felt very, very losable. Uh, and in a couple cases, the Braves probably should have lost in a couple of them, but they managed to do it. And against that team. And if you think one, one thing to think about too, in that game too, that we kind of forget a little bit, obviously like Eddie Rosario, like that rocket up the middle that Seager probably misplays, but I'm not sure if he makes the play anyway, because of how hard it was hit. You know, it kind of knuckles away from him and then that, that's the walk-off. But that's all set up by the guy who might have amongst like the lineup regulars may have had some of the worst postseason, and that's Ozzy Albies. He that that play, that run does not score if he doesn't steal second. Yep. And that's that being like all, all those little moments that are like really important add up to kind of a really, really stellar postseason run. So I, I definitely I'm glad we're still highlighting that because those two games, particularly game two, were nuts. Yeah, the constant theme throughout really the entire playoffs was that every night somebody else was stepping up. And it was it was honestly remarkable. This was not a team. And of course, yep. Eddie Rosario had some huge moments by himself and, and Freddie and Jorge Slayer in the World Series. Of course, guys are going to get recognized for their individual moments. But you're right. I mean, in that game, too, um, I was watching back and I would encourage MLB.com and I believe their app all have like 10 minute condensed games uh, of the big moments. And there was the moment of Eddie Rosario basically stole a run by himself. I believe he, he singled. Then he tagged up on a ball to fairly shallow left field. He tags up. He advances to second. <laughs> yep. Ron Washington. Everybody. And then on the green little light. bloop, Ron Washington, the permanent green light, God bless the man, uh, sends Eddie home on a very shallow ball to right field. He makes a perfect slide just past Will Smith at home plate. You know, it, it's little moments like that, Eric. You're absolutely right where – uh, you know, it just felt like there were moments that this team was was almost like the team of destiny. And in previous years, instead, it was almost like we were waiting for the shoe to drop and the, the good fortune and good luck to run out. It never happened this year. And you need a couple little moments like that. You need things that are truly 50-50 balls to go your way. And the Braves got them. And it was just uh, for his uh, – Every, every game in the NLCS, I think, was truly pins and needles the entire way. And to win those games one and two on walk-offs was pretty special. Uh, this is a um, this is a moments podcast, so I'm not going to overdo it here. But uh, it is worth noting that Eddie Rosario, for the entire playoff run, had a 182 WRC+. Plus. Just saying. Seems pretty good. Yeah, that uh, work. The mayor, the, the mayor of Atlanta, which I, I, I think I'm still getting likes on a tweet that I sent like halfway through the playoffs about how you should never buy another drink again in Atlanta. No. Uh, that NLCS, true. I mean, 
<laughs> I, uh, I have a good friend who's a Dodgers fan out here. And I believe he texted me after one of the games. And honestly, I don't remember which one because seemingly every night Eddie Rosario had a big hit, but the text was three words and it was bleeping Eddie Rosario. <laughs> and I would imagine that that exact phrase was said about a million times in Los Angeles over that week. Oh, yeah. in Atlanta too. Yeah. Different yeah, context. But yeah. yeah, I was going to say different, yeah. different, different yeah. inflection perhaps, but yeah, that's, that was definitely in play here as well. Um, this is sort of a standalone and, don't read this wrong, everybody. We're not celebrating the fact that, that Charlie Morton broke his leg because it's obviously brutal. And, uh, you know, Charlie uh, would have been – it would have been nice to have Charlie Morton the rest of the series. Um, but the fact that he that – had that happen in game one, number one, that the Braves won the World Series despite that, and also that he stayed in the game and pitched and pitched effectively on one leg uh, is the stuff of, that legends are made of. And, you know, it would have been different if he had been out there to pitch later in the series. But – to have your your veteran horse starter, your 38-year-old, 37-year-old guy break his leg early in game one and stay in the game. Uh, I'm not even sure what to say about it still. It's been a couple weeks now since this actually happened. But, uh, Scott, uh, that, that happened. The man broke his leg and kept pitching. That's, that is the stuff of legend. And you're right. It, it's a bittersweet moment. Uh, Charlie was really good in game one. And I, I, I'm sure there's nobody on the planet who wanted to be on that dog pile after winning it in game six more than Charlie. And uh, by all accounts, just a tremendous teammate and someone who has done wonders for this pitching staff, both on and off the field. But yeah, it was, it was a melancholy moment. And I remember watching that game and I'm sure everyone had this sense of dread of, yeah, the Braves are are winning game one. And, but as soon as the game ended, everyone turned their attention to Charlie and, knowing that he was going to be done for the rest of the playoffs. It was a tough moment. I'm, I'm glad the Braves were able to hold on and win that game. That was kind of when the the crazy bullpen heroics started in the World Series there. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a, a sad moment, really one of the few unfortunate moments along the entire way. Um, but, Charlie, man, that, that's one tough MFer to go out there and continue <laughs> pitching. Even if you have all the adrenaline in the world, you are still throwing on a broken leg. Uh, that is the stuff of legend. So I have a troubled relationship with this moment. One, obviously, Charlie Martin breaking his leg is obviously bad. And, you know, you guys have already covered that, like, covered that well. Um, obviously, him pitching another inning somehow on a broken leg. On a ball that I think all of us agree, like, that that just did, that something like, I felt like a nothing play. Like, no it wasn't knew, what they, yeah. like, that, that, that grounder, you know, we all thought that when he came out of the game, like, oh, he must have, you know, got caught up in a little more flush and like he had some swelling and like they're just being safe, right? But like no one thought that his leg was broken. But the thing that pissed me off the most about this Uh-oh. was was that people, this is like when the whole starting pitching's dead conversation started happening. Oh, yeah. As if as if people forgot that the reason why the Braves had to throw so many relievers is that their their top pitcher going into the playoffs broke his leg in game one, as if that didn't matter in this calculus. If Charlie Morton could have been out there, yes, it would have been ideal for him to go five or six innings at minimum, and he would have pitched again in the series. But instead, we get treated to you know Ken Rosenthal articles about while you know like this is proof that like the, the analytics are killing the game and we need to make the game more entertaining and have more starting pitchers, ignoring the context that the Braves had to do the reason they had to do this was because of the fact that the guy broke his leg in the World Series, which, again, it just tilts me, and I don't want to get too much into that. But I, one thing I do want to highlight, though, it's not just Charlie Morton breaking his leg and then pitching an inning somehow. 
AJ Minter was special coming in in relief and like gave them real length in that game. Yep. And that was really, really important the rest of the series because, I mean, I'm not entirely certain that Tyler Matzik's arm is made of, you know, normal human substances. And same thing with a lot of those other guys. But just being able to preserve that bullpen just a bit more as opposed to having going like inning to inning different guys, just giving them a few extra innings, that was really, really important too. And like, you know, again, you know, of all the heroics, you know, obviously Matzik and, you know, Luke Jackson even has moments. Will Smith was somehow untouchable. Um, I'm sorry, like we some, kind somehow? Of, somehow? Will Smith, somehow, Will, sir. Will Michael Smith was dominant? I'm, hold, someone send Brad a Will Smith highlights <laughs> video from September. I want I want that <laughs> sent to Brad. That's, but... The, we, kind of, we, all, he, we all we all we all love the contract we all love will smith the entire way never a doubt will smith <laughs> consistently is dominant it, throughout is the it season. time to talk contract extension i don't no, know is no that... it's not <laughs> not on this podcast yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah brad's gonna sign him for five for a hundred like, brave for life listen but, if, they, uh, if they wanted to sign but, everyone that's okay with me it's fine <laughs> uh but i do think that aj kind of gets lost a little bit in that like he had a couple moments that weren't quite as great uh, but at the same time, like AJ had some really important moments in this playoffs run too. We don't want to forget about him. Yeah, that, that was a big one for sure. And it sort of plays into the, to the next thing I wanted to mention. And uh, this is the, the, these last two that I will get into before we take a break are not uh, in game moments, but rather uh, quotes that we highlighted. This one was universal. Uh, I'll send it back to Eric uh, and I have three words for you, Eric night yes. shifts ready. It was so good. I heard it. And my first thought, and I tweeted out right when I heard it, that's going on a t-shirt. And sure enough, <laughs> within hours, everyone, like Breaking Tea, Rotoware, everyone had night shifts ready shirts. They made so much money. I need to actually get one. I haven't, I haven't gotten a night shift. I'm Somebody definitely buy Eric a shirt for the love of God, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, night, yeah, double XL. I'm fat. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a great moment. And like Matzik, just, just his whole attitude – the entire t- playoff run, he's just like, I'm ready to go again. You know, I'm ready to go for, you know, like it's just that, that attitude and just what this, the bullpen, which we thought could be a strength towards the back end for this team. I don't think any of us thought that they were going to be as important as they were in this playoff run. And I mean, they were amazing, Tr- truly amazing. Luke Jackson, like the Dodgers kind of had his number, but beyond that, all those like back end bullpen guys, the the four guys that we said, I mean, Brad has been was harping on this since the Brewer series that Snicker had four guys he trusted and he picked the right four because you know the night shift got the job done and they were amazing. Yeah, th- those guys will live in Atlanta playoff history forever. I mean, that was the Braves. I mean, obviously, the Braves don't win the World Series without Tyler Matzik. And, and baseball is such a team game and it's hard to make those definitive statements about a player when you play 16 games and 30 days or whatever it comes out to, but uh, the Braves do not win the world series without Tyler Matzik. Um, you're right. AJ Minter was huge. Luke Jackson looked really good, especially early on in the world series. And then, you know, Will Smith was really, uh, I forget who had the tweet, but I don't, I don't believe any other closer in the playoffs had more than two saves uh, I believe Will Smith had seven and he was clean in almost all of those appearances. Um, you know, again, those, the big four, uh, they were, they were all kinds of special. And then you, you want to throw out another bullpen guy. You talked about what Kyle Wright did in yep. spot duty in game five, I believe it was, or game four, rather. Um, there, there are heroes all up and down this roster guys who had their one moment and, 
Um, the bullpen was so, so good. And, and obviously those, I hope those four guys get a, a very well-deserved time off over these next couple of months. I hope they're on a beach right now celebrating uh, what was just a crazy run these last couple months. AJ Minter might still be drunk. Let's be clear. <laughs> I was, I was going to I actually said almost that exact same thing. Scott and I talked about it uh, uh, post parade and uh, the bull by all accounts, the, the bullpen bus was uh, having a good time at the parade, which we always like. Um, this one's just for more, mostly just for me, the last one before we get a break. But uh, I, I took personal joy when Dansby Swanson thanked the analytics staff at the parade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, so just because of, you know, there's the, the never ending discourse about, you know, the shift and analytics killing baseball. And there's certain fans that don't like it and all that stuff. And, you know, we're, we're pro analytics on the show. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, Dansby, particularly as like the defensive captain of the team and especially with the shift conversation and becoming, you know, never ending essentially in the second half of the season, uh, him doing that and also thanking God in the same sentence, uh, God in the analytics department carrying carrying the carrying the banner for the Braves at the end. I can't even I can't even talk about it. I, I, it made yeah. me so happy just to hear that. Yeah. Uh, that. That's all. I want to make sure I mentioned that loud. <laughs> Thank God, it's not quite to the level of was it Hechevaria last year who who said Thank God that the Mets, I got yeah. <laughs> getting, getting off getting off the Mets. Yeah. Yeah. Thank space. God I'm no longer a New York Met. Um, but <laughs> well, yes. yes, it was, it was a great line analytics and God. Thank you both. Oh, I just, I, I had to say that. I mean, to, to be fair, I mean, the two plays that clinch series against the Dodgers and again, and in the world series were ground balls to Dansby and he was very well positioned on both of them. And he's going to be on highlight reels until the end of time as a result of it. Uh, so, you know, for some defense, defensive positioning love, you know, Mike Fast and the rest of the analytics guys over in the Braves, you know, they were doing great work and, you know, Hey guys, the, the shift works turns out. It does. It does work. Uh, most of the time. All right, kids, uh, before we get in to our consolidated condensed combined top five and, uh, some pretty big moments that we have to talk about still on this show, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent. You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, let us dive into an unofficial top five, but a top five nonetheless. Um, I think all five of these were at least in our top tens. Um, we could also individually release our top tens if we want to do that. Um, I know there's been lots of those going around. But I want to stress, we said, we said it before, I want to stress one more time, the order of these does not matter all that much. Uh, we're not going to, we didn't spend a whole, lot of time, a whole lot of time combining these together, but it's a good way to talk about it in uh, five very, very fun moments. So number five, I suppose, is the combined two-hitter in game three of the World Series, um, a.k.a. the pitching uh, headliner in terms of the combined staff um, for a team that was certainly offense first this season uh, to face, again, what was the number one offense in baseball in the World Series. And we talked about it at, at length after the fact about how they shut them down. But the number one example of them of them being shut down was game three when, again, they threw a combined two-hitter. Uh, Scott, uh, I know we talked about it a lot at the time, talked about it after the fact, but the Braves threw a combined two-hitter, and it wasn't even with, like, um, you know, Charlie Morton on the mound or Greg Maddox on the mound. It was a team-wide effort. Yeah. Well, and and not only that, but it's the first home World Series game for the Atlanta Braves in 22 years, I believe. Correct. Um, Truist was a madhouse. And even with that, we, we laughed about it in the moment, but, like, the worst weather weekend ever for this time of year – um, it was cold. It was rainy. It was nasty. Even leading up before the game, there was some question about if they were going to have to postpone it or oh, yeah. at the very least rain delay it a bit. Um, so for Ian Anderson to go out there, he, he is the stuff of legend now in the playoffs. Again, it's never sexy with him. It's never, you know, it's never a, a game where he's striking out 15 hitters, uh, but whatever it is that he's doing, nobody knows how to hit Ian Anderson, especially in the playoffs. Uh, and then for the bullpen to come in of the two hits, one of them was that very weak single, the left that broke up the no hitter that fell between Dansby and Rosario. Um, but thankfully it, nothing else came of that. And I think there was a ninth inning single that also was kind of harmless out of it. Um, and, and then there was a nice moment at the end too, despite the one, nothing lead a, a big home run from Travis Darno uh, to give a little bit of insurance. You always worry whenever you only have a two, a one run lead and, in a world series game, uh, but just a, a high stress, but just remarkable performance by Anderson in the bullpen. Yeah. And again, this is another moment that I am a little bit troubled with because if, you know, the Charlie Morton stuff, like, and, you know, like, wow, look at all these bullpen guys that are throwing a lot of innings. If that wasn't getting enough traction uh, in terms of, you know, the, the death of starting pitching, you know, him being pulled with a no hitter certainly <laughs> did the job yep. and, you know, certainly got a lot of, uh, kind of old farts and media really up in arms about it. But, you know, look, you know, towards the end of that start, like Ian's command was obviously wavering a little bit, have a really tight game. And I mean, like, it's not, I mean, look, that was the first home game in 22 years. It was their first home world series win since the last time they won the world series and to do it against that offense. I mean, I, I, I said it when we were, they were against the Dodgers and, and when they were against the Astros, I had, the utmost respect for what those guys could do with the bat. And I would have lost every dollar in my bank account betting on them shutting out that offense once in the, in this playoff series. Right. Like that. They're just, again, my, my, my thought was just that 
well, their pitching's not very good, so you'll just have to win some 6-5 games. And there were a couple games where the, the Astros scored some runs, but beyond that, the pitching was fantastic, and it was capped by that incredible performance. I mean, obviously what, you know, happening, you know, game six and, you know, Max Fried being amazing and all that stuff, but that, that, that was kind of, that's kind of a separate thing. But when we talk about what the pitching staff did against the two best offenses in baseball, really the two best teams in baseball, I actually have no issues at all saying that um, both on paper and just kind of in practice, like what they did against those two guys, particularly against that team. were like, you know, I mean, Ian Anderson, you know, he was, he was in high school just a few years ago and he, you know, blasts his way through the minor leagues and, you know, gets called up last year. And in two straight playoffs, he was been incredibly important to this Braves rotation. Um, you know, it was thrilling to watch him pitch. Well, you know, would the narrative have been nicer if the national writers, since they don't know how to talk about baseball when it doesn't involve the New York or, or, <laughs> or LA markets, uh, they probably would have felt better about being able to talk about a no hitter in, you know, in the world series, but at the same time, like just being able to see what these guys could do. And it was, you know, it was what this team had done all postseason. It's like, you know, the starting pitching held, held their ground and then the bullpen locked things down. And it was kind of encompasses kind of what was really important for this Braves team throughout this playoff run. I'm just glad that uh, we could get salty Eric on this world series celebration. We got Eric uh, shots oh. media and that's, no. that was, that was fun. I, like, I enjoyed that. Oh, um, we, we probably have, we have to probably have a couple more moments where I can get some more in. So I'm we're sure. I, in fact, I'm going back to you in a second because uh, Scott and I talked about the parade and, and I'll let Scott add anything that he's sort of remembered since then. He might've been, he might've been drunk. I'm not sure. Scott, were you drunk during the parade? <laughs> no, um, I was working even worse. I was working and I couldn't the, watch a lot that's of That's the same. Um, yeah. But Eric, you know, we, Scott and I got some parade takes off. Did anything stand out to you from the parade that you wanted to share that you haven't been able to talk about yet? Because it's, it's it's your time. That's next on the list, by the way. Parade's number four. It could be number one. Obviously, it's a celebration, but we'll, we'll sort of split the difference here. We'll put it in the top five. But uh, Eric, the floor is yours on the parade, my friend. We, we talked about it. So there was a lot of great moments, right? Freddie's speech was great. Um, Jock Peterson, you know, basically getting <laughs> Valley Sports fined, I'm sure. Uh, for his choice of language and his in his little bit, um, which everyone should have predicted, and that should have been on a tape delay. But um, you know, and just all the guys like saying "resign, Freddie." Once you know, like that, a lot of great moments, and just a lot of guys soaking it up. It was certainly ad libbed. Uh, this wasn't the most structured of parade celebrations, but honestly, that felt right for kind of how this team got there. Just kind of you know haphazard, let them do their thing and have fun. Uh, you know, again, letting AJ Minter having a microphone was a questionable choice as well, but, you know, more power to him. He was hammering beers throughout that whole parade. Uh, that was hysterical. Tyler Matzik almost getting arrested wasn't the best, uh, but it was also pretty funny in the moment. At least nothing, like, it wasn't anything more than just a bit of an overzealous police officer who didn't really understand, you know, and why Tyler Matzik jumped off the bus and started running around to begin with is a separate question uh, beyond the fact that that whole bullpen bus was basically drunker than anyone at the battery at that particular moment in time. Uh, I will say that one thing is that someone needs to not let Joe know joe have a microphone uh for these things because uh i i would have kind of preferred anyone else to you know him like kind of railing against any and all detractors of the braves uh while being you know yelling at clouds and things like that i could have done without that but beyond that it was you know it was a great moment there was a big turnout throughout atlanta both at the start uh as well as at the battery and just you know they they really they did a great job with it uh, letting everyone kind of be able to soak in that moment. Charlie Morton's speech too uh, is one I kind of want to highlight too. It was fairly different from the kind of the fun-loving speeches. Like he was, 
I think somehow still sorry that his leg broke uh, and he wanted to kind of make sure that, you know, he showed his appreciation to his teammates and things like that uh, for a, a big vet, a veteran guy like that uh, put in an impossible situation and still was amazing that, you know, those are kind of the, those are moments that really stuck out for me. Yeah, there was a lot. Uh, before I can move on, Scott, I don't want to, I don't want to close the door on you and what could you have anything else to add about the parade that we already talked about once, but maybe something hit you uh, other than your experience tra- trying to get a newspaper from Atlanta, which we've probably shared. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody has an extra world series newspaper and they want to, they want to send it my way out here in Arizona, I would not, I would be in your, in your debt, but it has been very difficult to get those uh, special editions around the city. Let's just say. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it was, it was obviously a great celebration. Um, just some special moments along the way. And, and really just, it was fun to see these guys let loose. And, and as you said, they probably started drinking on average about eight 30 that morning. And, and it was just, uh, it, all bets were off from there, but no, it was, it was a, a great way to wrap up what was just such a, a fun team to watch over this past season. All, uh, all bets were off indeed. Um, the next thing we'll get to is technically number three on the list. And uh, I, we lumped this all together. Basically is everything from game four of the world series. Um, basically the two moments that really stood out from that, from that game, at least in terms of broad appeal are the back-to-back home runs by uh, Dansby and Solaire. And then the Eddie Rosario catch, which is still, uh, I guess, controversial. Someone talked about this the other day on Twitter and got a lot of responses. Like, it wasn't that great of a catch. Like, I understand. It wasn't what? like it wasn't like an all-time great, like, actual play. If that, if that play happens in June, no one's saying it was, like, the greatest catch of all time. But it's it's well, the moment, sure. number one. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what it comes down to. It's the vibes and all that. But, you know, Scott, Scott's ready to talk. But that game four. <laughs> game four was what is what's on this list technically. But I think it's basically those, I guess, three, three things. It's, it's kind of like two things. because The back-to-back home runs were so fast. But, yeah, you Yeah, you know, the back-to-back home runs. Um, you know, that I think for me, the back-to-back home runs might've been the first time that I really truly let myself think the Braves were going to do this. And it, it just felt right. Watching that game back, they, they just couldn't quite, it was a game where the Astros left 11 runners on base. I think they were 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. Um, they left the door open for the Braves. And Dansby hits it to right. And then Solaire gets it over the left field wall. Um, it, it just felt like in the moment that they were going to find a way to come back and win that game. Again, it was cold. It was kind of rainy all night. Uh, so for them to not only do the back-to-back thing, um, that Eddie Rosario catch was crazy in the moment. I think everyone in the ballpark thought it was going out. I mean, sure. Did he tumble over the wall? No, but he was on a full sprint and stuck out his glove at the very last second, made the catch. Uh, Joe Buck had a great call on it. Uh, That was, you know, one of the, I would argue probably, if not the best, the second best game of this postseason run and just a crazy wild final couple innings. Um, Again, man, it just felt like it just felt right. Things kept going right for the Braves. Like, they wanted and, and really needed to win that game to go up 3-1. You know, be a mathematician to realize how important it is to go up 3-1 in a best of seven. Um, but that was just a, a wild and crazy game and, and all the way around. So I, I think that in a lot of games, uh, particularly in modern baseball, it's not a game of inches, right? Like, you know, it's just kind of like there are a lot more home runs, um, and a lot of pitchers making guys looking really bad on like really good, like, you know, high octane fastballs, 
you know, really good breaking stuff. You know, you'd like when a guy is overpowering either at the plate or on the mound, it doesn't seem that close, right? But this was a game that was very much won by I think a total of two of maybe four inches, right? On two plays. Because as deep as they were playing um Jordan on that play, like he like that the only reason they play him that deep is because he's so bad defensively. But and you know, for good reason, he's normally a DH, but they won his bat in there. But on Solaire's home run, I mean, like if you watch that replay, he's really, really close to catching that ball. Uh, made a good route, like you know, did everything that he could. It wasn't he like I don't think that a lot of left fielders, period, get to that ball. Like there might be a couple who are playing deep and are really good, but he's a big, tall guy, and I mean, like that ball is an inch or two lower. That ball is caught, and then you have Eddie Rosario. I, I'm a little bit sympathetic to folks who are like you know. I'm not so sure if that's the, the the best catch in terms of technique because the the no look backhand catch <laughs> running into the wall. I was waiting I mean, for that. Like, uh, yeah, I mean that. Let's be like let's call a spade a spade. But like Rosario had another catch in this postseason where I'm like, oh, so I guess this is the Eddie Rosario's the best two catches of his life. He's just going to do in this postseason. Well, sometimes right. you have to just be out of your mind. I mean, Eddie Rosario yeah, yeah. found religion in the entire playoffs. It's just what it was. He was just. Uh, a different, a different human being. He's he's been good for a long time, but he was not this. It was and, not this and, guy. And, and that ball was scorched, and it was kind of going like going away from him. He really was having to run hard back on that ball. And again, if that ball knuckles another inch or two, that's at least. I mean, it's not a home run because that's that ball's not going out, but like that's at least a double. And it's Altuve. I mean, he was running full out the moment he hit it. That might have been a triple. That changes the entire com- complexion of that yeah. game. And instead, balls caught. Uh, he's fist pumping like he should. Uh, again, you know, don't show that video to at instructs on how to play a five fly ball <laughs> in left field. But uh, you know, it was it, in the moment it was a great catch and like you know for an, a really unlikely catch for a number of reasons. I mean, that ball was hit really hard too. It's just kind of hard to make yeah. a play on a ball like like that. So like, I'm not gonna knock on Eddie too hard, but especially yeah. as a left hander, it's kind of a weird you know it's a weird angle to take with your with your glove hand and all that. But you know, it's th- like. Everyone in that moment's like, wow. And that, like, people remember that catch. Yeah. That one's being played back a whole bunch. And people who think that that wasn't a big moment are crazy. Yeah. And one well, subconsciously, too, like, if, if he's another foot or two closer to that wall, he is going with his hand. He's going, he's trying to backhand yep. a catch. Uh, subconsciously, if, if he's not careful, he could like break his wrist. Like it's easy for us to say as we're sitting at home eating our, our bag of Cheetos, like on a full sprint, do you realize how hard of a play that was to make? Um, you know, off the bat, I thought it was out. I remember the dread that I felt the three seconds, the ball was in the air of, Oh my God, they just tied it up and to Jose Altuve of all people, uh, him and his cheating buzzers. Um, <laughs> that little pipsqueak, he, wow. he bugs me. Wow. Uh, Still now they won the world series salt, nine days salty. ago. What's wrong with you? Hey. Salty podcast. Is you guys salty. are really angry tonight for some reason. <laughs> Celebrate. Yeah, all the better. All the better to uh, <laughs> to make that that catch against Jose Altuve. Um, yeah, crazy game. It was. Uh, that's a good uh, wrap up of that game, I think. Um, so I'll leave it there. The number two, our combined number two, is actually someone on this list. Number one, and I will let him out himself momentarily. But it is Tyler Matzik being Tyler Matzik in game six against the Dodgers. It's the only moment on the list, on the top five list, I should say, that's not from the World Series. But uh, 
good argument, at least a reasonable one, that if he's, if this doesn't happen, they don't make the World Series um, because things were slipping away, it seemed. In Game 6, Luke Jackson had his worst moment of the season, basically, and uh, it didn't matter because Tyler Matzik was there to save the day and strike out the side in absolutely dominant fashion. And, uh, okay, one of you admit to uh, having this number one on your list. Go ahead. I will defend this to there, the and, death. And there he is. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, I had him. I had this number one. Uh, obviously, the the next moment that we talked about after this is like really really important. So it's not like a a crazy a, a crazy take either way. But for me, first, I think that the best team that the Braves went against in this playoff run was the Dodgers, and I honestly had more dread, and I was on more pins and needles watching the Dodgers series than I was the World Series, which is really bizarre on a number of levels. Two, he comes into an impossible situation against like in a serious clinching game. The Braves are up two runs. Luke Jackson gets beat up uh, by some by some batted, batted ball luck and some by just some good hitting on some decent pitches. Uh, and it's second and third and no out. They bring in Tyler Matzik, a lefty. And the first guy he has to go against is a guy who is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer in Albert Pujols. Now, I understand that Albert Pujols is not the same guy he was, but he still hits lefties, and he's still a guy you don't want to have to face when there's two guys on, in scoring position with zero outs. And, you know, Brad and I talked about it. I know we've talked about it on this podcast. Matzik, to get out of the situation, had to be perfect. Not, like, good enough where, like, you know, because just – just barely getting by might score a run. If there's a single that just sneaks through, that scores two runs. Those both the guys, on, it was Pollock and Bellinger. Both of those guys are crazy, like not crazy fast, but they're very fast. Uh, they're not Eddie Rosario fast, but um, you, in that moment, we everyone was thinking, this is where the Dodgers do what the Dodgers do and break our hearts. Everyone was thinking it. In 11 pitches, he struck out the side where the th three batters were Albert Pujols, and he made Albert look really bad on a slider down and into him. Steven Souza, who is, you know, again, a bench bat, but he's a guy that you bring in against lefties because he can hit lefties. And Mookie freaking bets. And he blew away Mookie. Like, Mookie just never had a shot in that at bat. The whole place goes wild. And that's not the end of it. The whole story behind that moment we don't even get to the eighth inning and see what Matzik does in the eighth inning. If we're not all root, well, I don't say this, the reason why he ended up getting out, but everyone in that on Twitter and every, I think everyone in that stadium was rooting for Travis Darno to strike out or getting out for that third out, because otherwise <laughs> there's a, there's a real chance that Snicker pinch hits for, Dar for, for, for Matzik there. And he doesn't come out for the eighth inning. He yep. comes out for the eighth inning immediately strikes out Seeger and then gets two outs and all of a sudden, it felt like the chance that the Dodgers had to would have evened up the series. And I don't think anyone on planet Earth wants to go against the Dodgers for a winner-take-all game. And it's because of Matzik pitching two innings the way that he did against the best team in the playoffs, I think, got the Braves in the position they were in. And that's why it was number one for me. I understand why it wasn't number one overall, and I'm – like I perfectly respect that, but at the same time, for me, that was it. I watched that video con like literally like five times. A day. <laughs> okay, okay, Scott, did, did he did, did he sell it well enough? Are we are we going to allow Eric to stand on this point? Um, it's like funny. 
because I was close to having this as my number one moment as well. Yeah, um, honestly, it's not it's not that crazy. I just culture. feel like it's. Uh... <laughs> uh, go ahead, go ahead, Scott. Finish. No, I, I think it was just the Dodgers have been the Braves' kryptonite for the better part of a decade. 2013, very very closely contested NLDS. Dodgers David win. Carpenter. Uh, Kimbrel's dungeon. Sorry, for the right field bleachers. Um. But 2013, Juan Uribe, <laughs> yeah, old friend Juan Uribe. Um, but so 2013, obviously, there's some time has passed since then. But then 2018 was, of course, the magical year for the Braves. They come out of nowhere and, and they ran into a juggernaut Dodgers team, probably the best. That was the year that the Dodgers, I believe, lost to the Astros in the World Series. Um, you know, that was that was just the Braves were overmatched and the Dodgers were very good that year. And then last year, we the, the heartbreak is very present at the moment, right? The the 3-1 lead uh, that, that fell to the side. Um, so to be able to come out and really take control of that Dodger series the entire way, and then for Magic to come in there, Eric was absolutely right. If he is anything but perfect, the game is going to be tied. I mean, even two, even two fly balls to the outfield, and the game is tied like for him to do that in the moment. Um, just you, we have continually praised Tyler Matzik with good reason. And that moment was just all kinds of special. It didn't quite close out the NLCS, but effectively it did uh, gets the Braves to their first world series in 22 years. And uh, just a crazy, crazy moment. And, and Matzik, you're right. I mean, the, the strikeout to Mookie Betts was Mookie Betts might be pound for pound the best baseball player on the planet. I think at worst, he's top five. Uh, for him to do that to Mookie uh, was incredible and and just a an inning we will remember for a long, long time. Yeah, I'm giving you a grief, but it's a totally reasonable pick. Uh, and also, uh, I, I respect it. Scott and I both had it number two. So it was like, oh no, Scott had it number th- two or three, one of those. I had it number two. Uh, it, the only reason why it's even in the discussion to not be uh, number one is that it was not in the World Series, but Again, I could be convinced that they don't make the World Series without that play, without, without that all happening. So, uh, certainly high leverage. Matic was one of the heroes of the entire run. Uh, night shifts ready. All those things. Uh, shouts to Tyler Matic, because that was fun. Um, and last, or, or first, depending, depending on what you uh, want to think about it, was what, I, what Scott had number one, what I had number one, and uh, that was the home run that still has not landed from Jorge Soler in Game 6 to uh, what we didn't know at the time, but um, became the World Series closure, essentially. Um, and uh, I will just say this. I do not believe the StatCast uh, distance on that. Me either. Me either. I think it should that, be... That, f- ball, that, that ball, that's 500 feet. I, I, I'm convinced. I, I thought that as well. Uh, I'm sure there's a little bit of hyperbole in there, but, uh, you know, clearly the side-by-side of the of the Solaire swing versus the Pujols off-lidge swing were uh, striking in their similarity. He hit the ball out of the stadium in the middle of the World Series on the way to the World Series, World Series MVP and also winning the World Series. Um, yes, that wasn't the only thing that happened in that game. We talked about it at length that night. You know, Freddie adding on at the end was fitting in every possible way. But, uh, you know, when you're talking about the moment that I will think about, it's basically, honestly, it's a two, it's a two moment race for me above all else in terms of this playoff run. It's what we just talked about with Matzik and it's that solar home run. I'm trying to think of 
how many times I have already watched that clip over and over and 35. over again. Wow. Yeah. I mean, probably. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was just in the moment. Um, I went back and, and rewatched uh, game seven or game six rather the other day. And not only did Soler literally hit the baseball out of a stadium and not only was it the eventual game winning swing to, for the Braves to win their first world series in 25 years, um, the at bat leading up to it was crazy. Um, it was a, a three, two pitch uh, minute Maid park was going wild. Um, and Soler kept fouling off pitches and it was funny watching it back. You kept thinking, okay, he's timing him up. He's timing him up. He was getting a lot of fastballs in. He was just missing them. He was fouling them off. And then a cement mixer slider comes in. And I mean, it was just, it was a picture perfect swing. To watch the crowd reaction to is, is just great. Like you, there's an angle, if you haven't seen it, of kind of a behind home plate view and you see all of the orange towels swinging in the distance Yep, yep. and Solaire launches it and you just see all of the orange slowly start to fade out. Um, it's a moment that all of us and everyone listening will, will watch infinite times over the next however many years and just a, uh, what a swing you're right. I mean, it was almost eerie how similar of a swing and of a, ball path it was from what albert Pujols did a few uh you know 15 years ago uh man what a moment for jorge yeah i mean i i know that i talked up the the magic thing i will defend that moment but let's be oh, clear don't, don't do I've, it I've, I've, I've no i've watched i've watched that solaire home run a whole bunch there's actually a great youtube video uh out there where it's every run that the Braves scored uh in the world series and that 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 is definitely something worth watching it's like 10 minutes long or something like that it's really really good but i mean that ball was still going up when it crossed the railroad tracks i mean that and, and like everything about it it was the pounding of the chest it was the you know like the bat drop i mean like look when you hit a ball that far you you're, you're not looking to make sure that that ball gets out you know what i mean like to kind of make like make sure that i'm like i'm i'm running halfway between home and first like he knew he could take his sweet time and enjoy it. That ball was destroyed. It was amazing. And, you know, when you have that and, you know, look, and then Dansby adds on with a two run homer, which is a blast of his own, really. I mean, like that, that wasn't a cheap home run either. And then, you know, Freddie doubles one home and then he hits his own home run to make it seven, nothing. Like, There's no, I mean, I, we were all, look, we've all been hurt before, right? Like when the, the lead was six, nothing, it was feeling really good, but I don't think it, I mean, Everyone was like, okay, we're still okay. Let's just make, you know, keep scoring more, please. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone would have been comfortable and started celebrating until it was like a 10 nothing lead. And, you know, they just kept adding runs. The pit, you know, Freed was great in that game. Like something that kind of gets lost a little bit is just how good he was in a clinching game, you know, sh again, shutting out. And after he gets his ankle stopped on, he just goes like full, like, you know, Optimus Prime mode and just like, you know, strikes out guys throwing 98 and then, you know, ends up throwing six great innings and, you know, the bullpen doing what the bullpen does. I mean, it was, it was a perfect way to end a world series run in a world series championship because, you know, it, it, it was just a, a team that honestly, the entire series, I mean, a couple games got away from them, but the Braves dominated the Astros and, you know, it was a nice way to cap it off. It's just like, you know, start off with a big, a big swing that again, 
Brad's right. Not sure if that ball's landed yet. I mean, I've seen pictures of a ball that is ostensibly, you know, <laughs> claimed to be the the whole Ray Solaire home run. I mean, I'm convinced that it's, you know, you know, flying up there with, with the SpaceX shuttle right now. And again, it was a great moment and it set the tone for, you know, again, one of the biggest moments in Atlanta sports area's history. I have a confession. I just watched it at least three times as you were talking on Twitter. Uh, yep, yep. I, a couple, a couple more observations, even in real time. I've seen, I've seen, seen the play a hundred times. First of all, he nearly falls over on the swing. That's how, that's how hard he swung. He like had that little that's dip. A big dude. You know, like after you hit the ball, but your momentum's going so hard the other way that you kind of have to steady yourself. He had that immediately on the swing. Then of course the chest pounding. He stays in the batter's box for an alarmingly long time. The ball, the oh, ball he, is. He, uh, he watched it, it a while. Yeah. The ball's on the street in Houston before he leaves the batter's box, which I really appreciate. And then uh, on the TV replay that I am currently watching, there's a shot of a woman in the crowd about ten seconds in to this to the clip, and it she has so this good. face of just absolute horror on his fa- on her face. She is just absolutely terrified slash mortified slash frustrated. I'm not even sure how to describe it. And then the last cut on this video I'm watching is Dusty Baker clearly yelling into a mask, looking down. And I <laughs> and I like Dusty yeah. a lot, actually. I am pro Me Dusty, too. but uh, he was not happy. It was a, an appropriate response in that moment because uh, maybe he knew as well. Yeah. It had it all, man. That was uh, the, the angle was that Scott was talking about was the was really good though because I mean like you see the ball like you see the ball make contact with the bat. It's kind of in slow motion, and as it leaves. You st- all the all the, like there's a ton of towels being waved around and they all just go away. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, man, I mean, what a swing! I mean, truly, you talk about. Um, and for someone, you know, I'm I'm 30, so I was not old enough to really appreciate and enjoy the all of those World Series and division runs in the 90s. I've of course seen the replays, but was not old enough to be able to live all of those great moments. Uh, live or at least appreciate them for what they were. Um, I I think that is a swing for folks who weren't able to enjoy that run in the nineties, just a, an iconic moment for everyone, but especially kind of this new era of the Atlanta Braves, of course had the nineties, the Maddox Glavin and Smoltz and Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, so on and so forth. And then uh, to cap off this playoff run with just an iconic swing from Jorge Soler wasn't like they hit a couple of sack flies in game six to win the game three, nothing. And there was no like iconic moment from it. You have the Solaire home run. You have the Dansby Homer. Freddie gets his going late in the game. Um, Eric mentioned Max freedom. Glad we touched on Max and this as well, but man, what a, what a swing. Just, just incredible. Yeah. I have nothing else to add. That was a uh, remarkable and Jorge, uh, Definitely enjoyed the World Series MVP trophy as we saw in the parade where he carried it everywhere and like had like a security person to carry it with it. It was incredible. <laughs> you do um, what he did in the World Series, you get a security. No, person. no, no blame yeah, absolutely, here. Absolutely, hundred percent. I would do whatever yeah. you wanted to do to have. Uh, he was yeah. definitely had the thing on display, and as he should. So, listen, we covered a lot. I'm sure there are things we could get into. This again, this podcast could be two and a half hours long, but. Uh, that's a bunch of moments that we covered. If you have more, we will definitely uh, take them on, on Twitter. People can, I've seen this. At BT Roland, he wants I, them all. I know one, I know uh, somebody had tagged us and um, I think Scott retweeted it and there was, it got, ended up getting like a, like 1100 likes or something um, of just a list, like a screenshot of their top moments. And it, it spawned all this discussion and it's, it's a really fun time, you know, 
the uh, the darkness of the offseason is not quite set in yet as we're recording this in the middle of November, and I feel like this will hold up for a little bit a little bit longer than you might expect. And uh, yes, it's going to be time to talk about you know for agency and roster construction and all that. But um, even as we're going to be doing that, uh, it's definitely worth just kind of firing up the old replay sometimes and just kind of realizing that they won the World Series, that Braves won the World Series, because they did. They won the World Series. It happened. Yeah. So. It still has not like fully sunk in for me. Like obviously been able to enjoy things these last week or so, but you know, as, as Alex Anthopoulos said in that, in the uh, parade, you know, flags fly forever. And that's a long time thing in baseball. And the old question of, do you go all in? Do you trade your prospects for a chance to put up a flag that's going to fly forever? And I don't know, man. It, it's weird. I, do you guys feel the same way at all? I mean, obviously, yes, they won the World Series. I went to bed at like 4 a.m. the night they did. Um, I've ordered the shirts. I've maybe ordered a newspaper that I'll get here at some point. Um, but it, I don't know. It, it's, it's just such a surreal feeling. Um, and for it to be this year when they finally did it, um, it, it, it hasn't fully sunk in. Have, do you guys feel that at all? Go ahead, Eric. Um, it, it has for me, I think. I mean, just, and again, like a lot of that's based off like, and it was weird, like not, it wasn't when the final moment, the final out, right? Like obviously seeing them, um, we're all crazy excited. And, you know, it's, you know, you see the guy celebrating on the field, uh, but it's like the post-game celebration. Like you see Freddie you know, hugging Snit with that. Yeah, I got all of us, I think. And just kind of seeing like kind of that, that's really kind of started really sunk it in for me. And, you know, I talked about this and I've talked about it a bunch and I'm not going to linger too long here is that, you know, when they made the world series, I was, I've been really big on making sure that our listeners and readers and basically who anyone who, you know, gives a damn about words that come out of my mouth, which I'm still not sure if I fully understand why um, it's that you want to cherish these moments and remember them all because, if you take the time to do that, you're going to be telling your kids and grandkids forever about the moment that you saw the Braves win for the first time in 25 years. Because I remember just like vividly Marquise, I mean, and I was just a kid, you know, I was just 11 years old. Right. So, you know, there's only, I mean, I was, I was also a dumb 11 year old. So, you know, like, I didn't really take the time to fully, you know, appreciate like, you know, you know, big reliever spots and, you know, like really good at bats. I just wasn't, as dialed in back then, but, you know, I remember Marquise Grissom catching that final out. I remember David justice hitting that home run. I, you know, like, you know, I remember everyone talking about the Braves pitching staff versus a incredibly good Cleveland Indians offense uh, led by probably one of the scarier people to ever play the game in Albert bell. Um, and everyone in that, everyone in that lineup, other everyone in that lineup hit 300, I think that, that Indians team. And to do what they did against them and, you know, to basically win a clincher one nothing uh, as a very young Braves fan and had, had experienced my fair share of heartbreak. The first game I remember watching play, baseball period is, is John Smoltz versus Jack Morris. Um, so, and I wasn't a Braves fan back then, obviously that was just kind of me like, Hey, that's a baseball game on. And then, you know, kind of going on from there and kind of growing into being a Braves fan, a lot of heartbreak um, and, you know, some really good moments too. And I really made sure I took the time this go around to appreciate all these moments. And like, again, you know, we have our favorites, we have how we order them, but 
let's be clear like those like world series highlight videos if if it exists on the internet i've probably watched it a few times since then just to continue to drink it in and enjoy it because at the end of the day you know when everyone's like give it you know when we're doing q and a's or you know just people randomly on twitter saying would you trade x y and z for a world <laughs> series title or would you you know give up your house for a world series title or would you not have the Braves make the playoffs for the next 10 years in exchange for a world series title. The overwhelming response from Braves fans is yes, you'd want a title and you have one. And this is really special. And, you know, again, a lot of our listeners and readers, they have made a point to, you know, either shout us out or message us privately or just, you know, take the time to listen and read and share that moment with us. Uh, and that means a lot to me personally. And I know it means a lot to Chris and it means a lot to all of us that, you know, in the moment where, you know, something really, really special happened, part of that moment was you guys sharing that with us. So I really appreciate it again. Yeah, it's well said, Eric. Um, you know, we got, we had the privilege of talking about these games as they happened, you know, right afterwards, you know, fire the microphones up and we said it after the after the win, after the final win, but like we took a few minutes at least to not go straight into the podcast. But you know, it's kind of there's pros and cons to that. You know, I'm not this is not a complaint by any means, but you know, we're at, we're we're in the weeds when this stuff is happening, and I know I was in the weeds on this stuff, and uh, you try to take a, take a second to remind yourself to step back. And yeah, to what Scott was saying, there's definitely been a few moments I I kind of just like tweeted it kind of funnily, kind of in funny terms, but. There have been moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, the Braves won the World Series. Like, that happened. Like, it really happened in my adult life. That happened last week. And it was just like this whirlwind of uh, just mania that happened. So, yeah, I think especially like as next season's like starting to approach later on. And um, it'll be weird slash interesting to see how people respond. Because, you know, there's that that fame theory. Like, you can't complain about anything for five years after you win a championship. That's like. Right, the, the, that Bill Simmons theory from from years past, uh, I can guarantee that won't hold up uh, in Atlanta. But I, I'm sure well, they already are. Yeah, that's what I mean. So it's like, uh, I hope we can keep some context. And you know, I, I'm just I'm sure we'll we'll be just as bad. Like you gotta in the moment you're still frustrated about sports, and that's part of the fun of it all. But uh, yeah, it's worth reminding everybody that uh, and reminding ourselves that they won. And you know, t- you gotta enjoy this because it may not happen again for a while. That's just the nature of baseball. Yeah, you're right. You never know. Here's hoping this is going to be the start of some magical run. And the good news is looking forward, this core is in place. The Braves are set up very, very well. It's a young team. Um, let's hope we get some more crazy moments coming up down the down the road here, because I, I know speak for everybody when this last month plus was just, it was almost like a dream. And I think as a fan, you always have your guard up just because we've all been hurt before watching sports. That's that sports. You're not always going to win, but um, just a, a remarkable run, a team that really did feel in control the entire way. And, and just an easy team to root for as well. There were so many great personalities, especially after the deadline. Um, just uh, a lot of fun, a lot of great podcast moments along the way. And I'm glad we were able to get this, this top playoff moment podcast done before the, the off season really gets going because you do want to be able to relive all of those great moments. Yeah. And one of the beauties of doing this now before anything has really happened and knock on wood, as we record this is that, you know, it'll hold up. And that's why we want to do this, this show kind of as a standalone, just because, you know, there will be news items. There'll be emergency podcasts and all that stuff the next couple of weeks and months, but 
this one will this one will uh, hold for uh, for a while, and the people can go back and listen to it multiple times, or however you want to relive it and uh, tell your friends, share it with them. Uh, baseball is communal. We really enjoy the community aspect and all of the support and all the listeners and all that stuff. So we've done all of that a couple times now, but thank you for everyone for listening to the show always and subscribing. Uh, thank you to the two of you for doing this with me, as well as to Sean and to Chris and to everybody that writes, and Demetrius and everybody that's on the staff. It's been awesome. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be diving into offseason mode now. We kind of already did a little bit already, but we'll uh, start getting there closer and closer. But I wanted to at least take a second and relive this one more time before we do that. Uh, as for Eric, as for Scott, who they should be followed, well, they'll be in the tweets if you want to follow them. If you haven't already, it's time to do that and uh, follow the site on all that stuff. And uh, with all that said, we'll see you all next time. 